I think we'll go ahead and wrap up the, the podcast for today. We do have some viewers live, which you're welcome to stay after and submit some questions if you have them. Um, but Jonah, thank you not just for joining me, but thank you for allowing me onto your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anytime. You can come back next week. Awesome. I think this, I think this, I think this went well enough. But you're on you're on a short leash, but we're fine for next week at least. Okay. Can't promise after that. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Yep. All right. Well, we'll be on next week, 4 p.m. And special guest in two weeks. We'll have a surprise guest. Still kind of confirming that for next week. We'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Episode 15. And we'll see you next week at four. Uh, before we get started, though, let's dig into some funny, random, odd stories from the week. And mine for this week is, uh, I just love this. So it's Valentine's Day this weekend, right? So that's going to be on, on Sunday. And as a promotion, I don't know if this is at Dunkin' Donuts nationwide or just in New York City, one particular one, but they're they're doing drive-through wedding ceremonies, so if you go through Dunkin' Donuts, you could actually exchange vows and it's like, can be legit. I'm looking at one, it's but that's it's actually tomorrow, not on Valentine's Day, between 3 and 4 p.m. in New York. If you go, you can actually exchange vows and, and it's it's a legit, you can get married at Dunkin' Donuts and get a below average donut at the same time. So it's just, it's all good. All in one package, one stop shop, right? Hmm. That's... Okay, I, I don't know. I, I have several questions, but I guess a, a better one, John. If you had to get married at any fast food uh, drive-through, which fast food drive-through? Because Dunkin' Donuts would not be my top choice. <laughs> ah, that's true. Well, I... I'd go Krispy Kreme before Dunkin' Donuts. So even in the world of drive-through donut places, Dunkin' Donuts is not my top place. It's probably third. Tim Hortons yeah. would be of Dunkin' Donuts too. I feel like you know my my first response being someone from. Southern California, my first response in and out, but mm-hmm. it, there's so many people and they get you through the line so fast. So it'd feel like a very fast wedding. If I really wanted a long drawn out wedding where I could sit there for a couple hours and no one interrupts me, I would choose like, like Burger King or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I've come, the right answer is Chick-fil-A. I just realized <laughs> that that's easily the right answer <laughs> to this question. I was thinking about it and I got it. That that's, that's for sure it. Like I bet, I bet most people in their bathroom are like already ordained. Anyways, they could probably do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that is a requirement for Chick Fil A. Probably to be ordained, yeah. and you know that'd be their pleasure to to help you out by getting right. you married. So, yeah, <laughs> right. I bet you they'd throw in something for that too. Probably at least at least a coupon, nothing less than that. But yeah. well, I know with Dunkin' Donuts, it gives a new depth to their slogan: "America runs on Dunkin'." Right. So that's just. True. <laughs> it really fits with how America, America's run. So there we go. Sponsor. True. For, yeah. First they took over the food industry. Now they're taking over marriage. Next they're just going to do like a hostile takeover. They're going to keep taking over parts of the American life until everything we need is just a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. I mean, I think like the military, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's coming. That's right. This is, I, want to, I want someone to write dystopian fiction about Dunkin' Donuts taking over. <laughs> um, yeah. I would read that. All right, yeah. what's your random funny story for the week? So kind of related to Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is interesting because they only sell chicken, uh, but obviously their their mascots are cows. Um, 
and a bunch of cows wound up on a road in Indiana. Now, I've never been to Indiana, but I imagine Indiana is always full of cows on the road. I don't know why. It just really seems to fit in my head. Uh, but apparently the police had to come in and corral them. And I think it took like hours uh, to get this giant herd uh, of escaped cows off the road. That is, uh, that's fantastic. You know, when I think of Indiana, you have like corn, like, mm. like that's, that's another one. Like just, you know, I wonder, you know, th th this, this is true. I I've heard this and I haven't actually tested this, but if you paint like a white line, I believe it's a white line that cows will not cross a certain color line. So there hmm. must've just been like some kind of break in the road and, and they, they crossed. Yeah. Dang. So cows in the road, of Indiana sounds, um, Indiana. It sounds Indiana. We're talking about retreat planning today. And Jonah is right in the middle of this. In theory, he leaves on retreat. Is it tomorrow? Uh, it would be Saturday. So in two Saturday. days. Saturday. Okay. Saturday for his his retreat um yeah so how's that going just once I, I want i want the explanation of what i'm doing to be jonah is having a retreat uh <laughs> on saturday um for those who don't know I, i'm on a bad streak of having like cataclysmic events happen during or right before youth retreats i lead yes. uh so first time i led a retreat was march of last year COVID hit like yep. during our retreat um you know, I tried to lead a, a kickoff event uh, over the, um, you know, at the start of fall and our state caught on fire. And uh, now we have a snow warning for this week. So uh, I'm a little bit worried about that. Um, other than that, I, I feel like I've, I've kind of done, like I'm pretty set in terms of what needs to be done for the retreat. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of, of getting there. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about it a bit more later, but there's always kind of like butterflies the week of a retreat from totally. someone who's leading a standpoint because always something could always go wrong. So I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, I just wish that I was more set in stone that we could have a retreat and that we won't have freezing rain uh, the day of or the day before. Oh, my gosh. You, you missed one of your cataclysmic retreat things, too. So so for context, for those you haven't seen, like, the first episode, so I used to be the, uh, the youth pastor where Jonah is now, now serving, and, and we transitioned and trained Jonah for a few years. So uh, part of this, like, last year handoff was him – taking on retreats. So the first one that he had all on his own was the day after the governor announced everything being shut down for the, uh, for coronavirus for the very first time. And we were like going on the retreat. We had to have some conversations, had to cancel some stuff, had to like change how we did food. And like, that was the last time we saw students in person for a long time was after that retreat. Because I think the rules weren't like officially in place until like Monday. Yeah. So that way people can like get ready and, and students can pack up their lockers and stuff. So we were actually okay to go on it, but it was like literally the last time. And the mm -hmm. second time you forgot to mention this, Jonah, was that over the summer, we yeah. actually did uh, a couple of outside um, retreats where students didn't stay over. We we're already, we we're in the thick of the pandemic at that point. And the high school retreat, which, which I led went over smoothly. At least that's what we, we thought, you know, and so it was discovered, you know, that Jonah's retreat the day after had to be moved online because uh, a student or at least a, a family had 
um, tested positive for COVID. So there was potential um, exposure. So the, this whole retreat had to be had to be moved online, which ended up fine. But just like each time, you know, everything, you know, no one got infected. You know, it's no, nothing spread, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, there's that caution. Then you said the fires when you're first starting youth group in the fall, uh, kind of like taking that on by yourself. <laughs> now this weekend we have for the first time in this winter season, you have like winter storms and freezing rain. You're going up up a mountain. <laughs> yep. And schools canceled today, which typically you would cancel everything if schools canceled. So, um, yeah, you're 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 bad luck. So whenever so. Yep. Keep in mind when John is planning a retreat, just stay at home, buy extra food. You don't know what how the world's going to be affected. Um, fire, ice, sickness, pestilence. It, it's all going to happen. The, the Probably the black horse of death from Revelation will be, I think March is your next retreat. Yeah, March 12th and 13th. Put it on your calendar. Uh, right. Revelation chapter. Like I, I feel like they, they keep on lining up with like the bowls of God's wrath or something like that. Like there's some, there's got to be some trend here. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of retreats, so, um, John and I were, we were talking about how we wanted to break down, uh, you know, this topic of, of planning a retreat. We thought we'd go kind of chronologically. Um, cause really, you know, what you do at each stage of retreat prep is really different. And I think it starts before you think. So like John said, a lot of my retreats in, involve First, cataclysmic events. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but besides cataclysmic events, first off, uh, what are some stereotypes as we think about oh, yeah. retreats? What are some some stereotypes? Then you know we we want to do this kind of like um, just without any prep. Stereotypes of, as you think of retreats, youth retreats. Uh, what comes to your mind first? What are what are? <laughs> this is always fun. Uh, what are some things that you may maybe saw for me going to my retreats or, or maybe growing <laughs> up? Like, like what are some stereotypes for youth retreats? In my opinion, the biggest stereotype I've seen, and I've seen this, and I think it's the biggest stereotype because I've been to so many, like, you know, churches doing retreats um, in different countries, even. I, I've been to different places. And one thing ties all youth retreats together, and that's a certain color. Uh, and that color is purple. That's right. If you've gone on youth retreat, you know that, you know, girls are pink or red and, and guys are blue, and there's no purple at retreats. Um, combined, that that's a purple. classic. Yeah, yeah. That, that's an absolute classic. Uh, and it, again, it spans, it spans, country borders like it's it's beautiful it's it's unifying um we're the body of christ united by the fact that we don't allow purple on our retreats my my favorite is is this is a stereotype but this is like extremely true is that you might be announcing the retreat for months let's say but you will always have a student try to sign up after the deadline like despite months and months knowing it and they will won't have any information, and they'll try to sign up. That's that's another classic youth retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, like a stereotype, is like someone has to like vomit on a retreat to like for it to be really a complete experience. <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced that yet, Jonah, but that is um, that's in your future. Probably, May- hopefully, not my very recent future. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's one too i I think another one is um the fact that no one sleeps on retreats and i don't know if i realized this when i was a youth Uh, i realized this once i started to need sleep uh, to operate as a human being 
Um, you know, now whenever I go on a retreat, I, you know, 4am is less fun <laughs> when you're the adult there. <laughs> so, uh, uh, another one, and this is, this is speaking from that youth ministry perspective is that Wednesday nights, I'm always very cautious about the, the time, like, like for youth group or Sunday mornings when teaching, you know, how long you're teaching, like 15, mm. 20 minutes, there's like a science, how much students can pay attention on a retreat, they're they're literally a captive audience. So <laughs> you can go on for like an hour plus. And it's just, you know, you're hoping that they retain a, a percentage of that, but it just it can go can go on and on. It's awesome. It's true. Oh yeah, and we can't forget the snack kid. Every youth group has a snack kid. I don't know who it is at your youth group, uh, but one kid will bring just like snacks galore and they would just live up that. And they'll be the coolest kid at the retreat. So shout out there over the snack parent is behind the scenes. Uh, you're setting your kid up for success. Um, yeah, every youth group I've been to, uh, even when I was you know going to different camps and stuff, there's always a snack kid. Every cabin has one. It's it's always that kid who needs sugar the least, <laughs> <laughs> and he always brings the most sugar. That is, that's also a good one. All right. Um, oh, another one. If someone besides vomiting is someone getting injured, right? Mm. In particular, in, in, in our <laughs> context, uh, a pastor's kid getting injured was like a good, that was a good rhythm. Yeah. And the funny thing too is it was different kids, but the same pastor every time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you really bad. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a weird trend. But that, what is it? I think it was just like three retreats in a row. Only the same pastor's kid would keep getting injured. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was like the same, the same one for a while. Now, <laughs> yeah. his brother is now in youth group too. So that's there are three of these pastors' kids uh, in our youth group. So the odds of one of them getting injured was already like out of three kids. You know, out of how many ever we have, odds that that's going to be one of them is is pretty high. I think. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And, you know, I, I have to admit, I, I do appreciate how gracious <laughs> yeah. it always was. There yep. must be lots of injuries at home. I think that's, <laughs> it's not like this random thing. Well, um, so talking all about stereotypes and, you know, a lot of times I think a stereotype from students might be that, you know, kind of like how youth pastors only work a couple hours on Wednesday nights. And that's, <laughs> that's all they do for work, mm -hmm. right? Um, there might be this stereotype that, okay, we show up and wow, they actually had to work hard for one weekend and <laughs> that's it. But there's actually a lot more that goes into retreat planning than is typically thought of or that, that kind of meets the eye. Um, so we kind of want to walk through that just quickly. Like what, what is the, the scope of what a retreat looks like he's starting from the very beginning so so jonah you know we've kind of talked about this before but like where would you start when it comes to a a retreat let's say first off you know you, you know you're going to have a retreat so you, so you have to mm -hmm. the very first thing is you got to think of why why am i having a retreat how does this fit my ministry that's that's kind of the baseline you're, so you're having a retreat then mm -hmm. how do you start you know I'd, I'd love to give some spiritual example about like you know i, I start with the vision for the retreat, but the reality is you got to find a place to to have a retreat, or else you don't have a retreat. 
Um, yeah. You know, a, a big part of the allure, I think, of retreats and the power of them is that you're meeting with a group you already know in a location that's unfamiliar. And, and it brings out different sides of people. Um, you see each other in a new environment. And I think that's a really powerful reason that retreats are so successful. And so I think finding a location, uh, it, for me, is, is like step one. Like if you don't have a place to do a retreat, you're probably not going to have a very good retreat. And, you know, I, you can work on other things later. That's when that I think is good to get down uh, real early on. Like yeah. we're talking a year in advance-ish. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, about, about a year in advance. And like, you know, kind of this kind of goes alongside that. This, this is almost like the same step is choosing your dates for your retreat. Mm. And that mm-hmm. is, you know, the retreat center has to have it open. Your church has to fit within your church's um, calendar and generally your students' calendar calendars too. You don't want to schedule a retreat if it's going to be like homecoming weekend, for example. Like that's that's probably a bad time. Um, but But otherwise, you know, like those two things really fit together. And like you said, like, Typically a year ahead of time. I remember like scouting out new places and scouting them out a full year, maybe even more than a full year, so they can get those dates in um, a, a year early. So, uh, like as the retreat is happening, typically the youth pastors already has an idea of when next year's retreat is going to be, and a lot of times that conversation with the like um, owner of the retreat center. Let's assume they're doing the same place you know, mm-hmm. twice, like, like you back to back years, uh, they'll have that conversation about next year, like, Hey, write me in, I'll send my deposit in soon, you know? So it starts early it starts. That's the big thing. And I know that's a little, that's kind of a, a normal year, right? Jonah, that's not necessarily, <laughs> um, COVID that's fair. 19, 20, 21 <laughs> years. Yeah, no, this year, uh, you know, I'm, t- I'm talking like, you know, how, how life should be. Um, but in our context for our retreat, I found out uh, kind of that we could do it um, and, and where we could do it uh, just like a couple weeks before we started. So, you know, may, maybe a month-ish, uh, maybe a little bit more than a month before the retreat. Um, I kind of got the, not necessarily the green light, but the restrictions were clear about what we could and couldn't do at that point. So that, that was when it's like, okay, we can actually move forward and, and have a picture of what this can look like. So, um, yeah, pandemic retreat, but it was, it's kind of a two-edged sword because on one hand, I have less time to prep a retreat. On the other hand, uh, retreat sites have more openings. So it's kind of a which, give and take, I think. Which is unusual. Yeah, that's the whole reason why you plan a year ahead of time, right? Is so yeah. you can actually get into these places. But that's the nice thing is that you probably could have picked a lot of places because not many people are, are having it as long as they're hosting. That's the big difference, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have your location picked out. Let's say you pay your deposit, all that stuff. What do you think kind of happens next? And I know this is like, um, this could be different in this kind of order, but but what would you do next after that is picked out? It's not, um, at least for, a normal year. <laughs> not, not a one month out year, but. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. For me, it moves into like, um, I guess coming up with, you know, what's like a unique idea you could have for this retreat? Or, uh, or like lesson prep. Uh, I, I see, once you have like location and the time down, um, transportation also comes, but at least I would probably do, the, do that a little bit closer to the event. Um, yeah, but I'd say like, you know, lesson prep, what, what's like something unique that can make this retreat stand out? You know, maybe it's a, 
a really fun idea. Uh, maybe you, you're going to go on a hike with your team or you're going to, you know, we, we talked with our retreat last year, but faking a breakdown. Like what if, you know, as we were going, uh, we pretended our van broke down and we had this kind of adventure set up for the kids. Uh, so to me, doing something like that can be good to kind of get on your radar earlier. I, maybe that's just the way my mind works. Transportation is the next most important thing. Um, I'll be clear about that after date and time. Transportation's the next thing in terms of importance, but uh, it feels like that can, you know, happen a little bit later on than getting an idea of what you're going to present to people when you advertise the retreat, if that makes sense. Like, I'm going to talk about the retreat. I want to have something to plug uh, to them. And so that's why I'd, I'd hold off on transportation a lot for that. Anyways, yeah, maybe maybe your order's different, though. So, so you're saying, like, getting something um, besides just the actual venue like what what's around the venue like what are you gonna what are you gonna do alongside that i know for yeah. um the winter retreats last february in 2020 pre-pandemic a month before pre before the pandemic you know we had the big thing was um actually two big things one was we did cosmic inner tubing on on snow so there's a, a snow park a couple miles from the retreat center so that was like a big thing and the other thing was we did like a formal dinner and had an uh, amazing volunteer, his name is Ben, who like is the lifeline of, mm. of retreats. Um, he he made this like formal dinner. So those are some some key things. I think mine, my I think that's good to have that early. I think my that that might be my next step. I was gonna say probably the most ideal next step after actual getting the retreat is getting your volunteers committed and kind of lined up. Mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of volunteers you can depend on that they're they're going to make it happen they're going to do it but just you know just kind of confirming you know making sure um you know if you're a male you pass through making sure you have some female leaders going with you like that's important or vice versa if you're a female youth pastor youth leader making sure you have some male volunteers and making sure there's some some balance um going going into that right so you have enough adults that way you know because Joan, if it was just you and you had like 40 kids sign up, like there would be some. Yeah, I <laughs> wouldn't go well. Yeah, I agree. And the only reason I said um, kind of coming up with an idea like that is because that's generally, you know, I, I feel like when you go into a meeting with a volunteer, they might ask questions about like, hey, what do you have planned for it? Um, and, you know, maybe that that's different probably if you ask them sure. yeah. a year in advance as opposed to three weeks in advance. Sure. Um, yeah, but I, I agree that that's definitely the next like big push is getting your team um, on board for the retreat. I think that's, uh, yeah, a really important step. Because the, re- the reality is, too, um, you know, as important as, as a youth pastor is to a retreat, um, having volunteers be on the same page as you and, and getting your team oriented in, like, the right direction and, and knowing why you're doing it together matters a lot. And those conversations um, can start early. And those can be really fun conversations, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so you have your volunteers coming on and then you have kind of what you're going to do generally speaking and obviously you have a general cost for meals i would say the next thing is you're going to be preparing your budget you're going to be doing kind of the the not so fun part of it because you want to be able to establish like the cost and kind of get students ready for that i know um this has been our tradition, I'm not sure if every church does this, but typically if an adult is giving up their weekend, we don't also make them pay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that has to be factored in that volunteers can go and it's they're, it's not costing them to go. 
Um, but yeah, figuring out what the budget is, how much, how much do students have to pay? And then my next step after that would be communicating like crazy. And ideally, you know, in a normal year where you don't know if retreats are going to be canceled due to, you know, deadly illness, um, you're communicating out like six months in advance, like these dates, maybe even longer if you actually know them, like you're telling people and this is how much it's going to cost. That way there are no surprises. Like $150 retreat sounds like a lot of money, but if you tell them, you know, eight months in advance or something like that, you know, and they're saving up $20 a month, like it's possible. So mm -hmm. good communication, good early advertising, get it out there. Okay. So we have this like retreat. Volunteers are set. We have like the things that we're doing lined up and it's out there. What's next? Like, what, what do you think is next? Yeah. I mean, uh, are, are we talking like, uh, in terms of our prep? Um, yeah. So normally, normally what, what I've done, and this is something that uh, you taught me is having uh, meetings with your team as well. Um, so these are different than the earlier conversations, you know, early on, you'll go up to somebody and say like, Hey, uh, you know, we're doing this retreat then do you have any, any ideas for it? Or will you be able to, to make it? But the planning meetings, um, from what I've experienced and from what I've done are really a time to make sure that everyone's kind of bought in, in a sense. So like we had our meeting, um, you know, only a couple weeks ago, I think two weeks ago or something. So, uh, not as far in advance as, as I'd normally like to have it, but um, in that meeting, I had already, I knew kind of what we were going to do for the retreat. I had a skeleton outline. Like I, I knew what every day was going to be about. Um, but, you know, getting people involved, giving them uh, the opportunity to uh, contribute something to the retreat, uh, giving them like, hey, you know, you're like our food guru, uh, an example of, of our uh, Ben, who's, who's a friend of ours, um, you know, giving, giving them, putting people in the right place, I guess, to fill in the gaps in your outline. It's kind of what what that's like later retreat planning process looks like. Um, that's what I would do next in the process. I might have missed something. Maybe that's when transportation would come in. Is a, is a bit before that, but yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So I I love that, and that's that's a that's a key thing you brought up that not a lot of people see is how much time not just you know the the youth leader like the youth pastor puts into it. Yeah. Also, what all the different different volunteers will put into it. And, and that's not always seen, um, which is significant because if you had to, if you, Jonah, had to plan every component of that retreat um, from the food being the big one and then like games and, you know, all the music and your teaching and whatever else, like that would be intense. That'd be a bad retreat too. So <laughs> there's, there's also a sense where, you know, people, uh, you know, at least in my team, I have a lot of people with really different gifts. Someone is leading worship. Uh, someone is leading leading our night games. Someone is leading food prep. Um, and, you know, my, my team in general does a great job uh, of giving me input that I need. Because I'm, you know, as a 20, as a 24-year-old guy uh, who, in, in a real sense, you know, for a lot of things this year, it's my first rodeo, right? Um, you know, they, they have insight uh, that I don't have. So, yeah, yeah having those people... Be, be willing to bring that in and be willing to use their gifts uh, is really cool. And they can drive rented vehicles. That's important too. 
Why is it? Anyways, yeah, there's a micro rant there about why it's 25. It's yeah, bugged me for the past couple of years. Anyways, if you're leading your tree and you're younger than 25, realize that you can't drive the vans that you rent. Yeah. Which anyways, is, which is classic. Yeah, it's at <laughs> it least in Oregon. Right. It it might be different state to state. I'm not sure. I think Oregon's right. 25. I think on the West Coast, I think it's 25. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one, you know, kind of alongside those volunteer planning would be what I have learned is getting students to sign up early is really significant. There are mm. a good amount of students who don't want to be the first one to sign up or don't want to sign up if their friends are going. So mm. you get some buy-in early, whether that is giving them, like I would always do like an early bird discount, get students to sign up early. Um, if you can get your leaders' kids to sign up, if you have student leaders, if you can get them to sign up, get that list, you know, have it 50% full before you start even really pushing, like, hey, the retreat's coming up in a couple months. Like, hmm. we don't have this many spots left. Like, get getting students signed up, get them excited about it, get that advertising just constant. Like, every week, just, I would always be, it would seriously, like, you were there, it'd always be, winter treat, winter treat, winter treat for like six months. And then the week after winter treat, summer retreat, summer camp, you know, yeah. like just constant, right? And just, just trying to get those, that momentum, get that sign up. Especially if you have an early cutoff date, that's not the day of the retreat. A lot of students might wonder, well, why do we have that cutoff date? Any thoughts, Jonah? Like, why do we not want students to sign up the day of, the retreat a couple of reasons uh one that's pertinent with with covid and with eventual snow is like transportation uh yeah we need to know how many how many people are going to be filling seats in our bus or our van or our uh leaders cars to get to this retreat that's a big one um and another one as well is like you know trying to guess how much food to buy um you know it's it's good to know how many how many miles you're going to feed for the uh for the weekend um yeah, with this retreat, again, with, with such a short limited time that I gave to parents to sign up, uh, I'm not as strict about it uh, as maybe I, I would be in other years. But yeah, I it, it, the, the reality is, you know, there was kind of a, a choice being made, right? Do I have an early cutoff date and save myself uh, some problems or do I give kids more time to sign up? Um, and I'm, I'm dealing with <laughs> some of the, uh, the issues with, with not having an early cutoff date. So... Yeah, I, th I think in your case, yeah, with only a few weeks out and having to change, I, I totally get that trying yeah. to push that cutoff date as, as late as possible, even expecting students to not sign up on time. And yeah, but this this has taught me that you should really have students sign up early. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your student to leader ratios, you have like, you know, proper, just the, all the costs and stuff that go in, like, Last year, I had to pre-buy those tickets, for example, for the yeah. tubing. So we had a, a couple, I think I had like two extra because a couple of students actually changed, like reversed, like they couldn't end up going. Um, but yeah, so just those are so hard to gauge. If you sign up late, maybe you won't get a ticket to something. There might mm. not be food for everyone. You know, typically that can be adjusted, but yeah, you can put a lot of stress on your, on your cook. And it might not be the students who signs up late, you know, leaders would never have a student not eat enough, but it might be one of the leaders that like 
sacrifices their food, right? And you don't mm -hmm. really want that either. And same thing with the transportation and that kind of thing. So students, if you're listening, sign up early. Just, yeah. <laughs> just help help your youth pastors not get gray hair before they're 30. <laughs> Is it happening, Jonah? <laughs> I think I think I'm good. Those those listening, I'm looking at my hair in our in our camera. I think I don't think there's any yet, but we'll see after this weekend. <laughs> you know, and I think just just kind of in in closing, um, I would say part of signing up early and part of that too is the the spiritual preparation. Hmm. I think for students, if you're waiting until the last minute, like say a couple of days before, there there's an element of of your heart getting ready to to go on that retreat. There's an element of your youth minister, youth pastor, and the youth leaders praying for you as you're going. You know, and I'm sure they're praying for you often anyway, but specifically for that retreat, like there's there's a emotional preparation, spiritual preparation that goes into it. So it's really important to to be ready in that way. So um, as you're going into it, prepare yourself. Get yourself spiritually and emotionally ready and be so you can be open and in your presence. You're not just like Thursday night or Friday night. You're doing something completely different. You're not even thinking about the retreat. And then suddenly mm -hmm. you're going. It's, it's a mindset shift that is difficult, especially because a lot can be done spiritually on these retreats. So I think that's, that's really important. Like start preparing yourself early. Um, yeah. A any other thoughts? Just, gosh, I know there's, there's a lot to cover. There's a lot of like adjustments within the retreat and just mm -hmm. thoughts, you know, letting it sink in after, but any other thoughts on kind of the, the preparations that go in, maybe even the last minute for these retreats? I'd say, uh, no matter like for this retreat, even though I didn't have much time, I feel like I've, I've kind of covered you know, a lot of things we have a pretty solid plan B for worst case scenario. Um, but I think regardless of how prepped you are, it's it's kind of nerve wracking a little bit uh, leading a retreat and, and planning a retreat. Um, I, I think I don't get nervous in a lot of situations that make most people nervous. Uh, interviews I'm fine with. I don't have any stage fright at all. The week before a retreat, I am like <laughs> petrified. I don't know why. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's a common thing. I think we, we had talked about this before. Uh, but it, it can be kind of nerve wracking the week of, which is, I don't know, something that might be hard to, and it's, it's exciting. It's kind of like, you know, if you're nervous to publicly speak, sometimes it's easier once you're actually out there and doing it. Um, and, and my experience when I've gone on retreats, uh, after, after prepping them, I'm always so nervous until I'm, until I'm there and then I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a weird experience at the last, the last minute things you have to get done. Things like, you know, purchasing supply stuff can be really nerve-wracking and I don't I don't know why <laughs> yeah it's it's like you know there's that feeling of anxiety I know I feel this way going on trips away from home especially if I'm flying like am I gonna forget something important? Mm. yeah um, that's it you're responsible for a couple dozen teenagers right so it's not just you like you're forgetting your toothbrush you're forgetting whatever you know something um, but you're, you're getting this ready as whole experience ready for everybody else. So that's, that, I could see why that'd be nerve wracking. Once you're there, it's, mm. um, it's, it's 
incredibly different. It's always helpful. This is a fun tip. If you have a leader who's actually coming late, hmm. that's actually always been the biggest blessing because you call that leader up saying, hey, I forgot to bring, I think last year was the mic stands or like music stands. I forgot to bring any music stands for the whole hmm. band. We have no music stands. We have music, but we're going to be sitting on the floor if we don't have this. So um, William actually was coming late from work and he picked up music stands for everyone. So perfect. Just that kind of thing. And then I can see why there'd be nerves, especially if you're teaching. Um, mm -hmm. Which, yeah, that's, that's good. I was going to say teaching on a retreat is so good because you have students teaching so close to together, typically, right? You're teaching a couple of lessons in a couple of days and are able to really hit a topic really well and just build relationships in a big way. I think, you know, as much as like six months to a year of ministry of normal weekly ministry can happen on these retreats, I think they're that significant. So yeah. students, if you are listening and you haven't gone on one or you have a chance to this year and it's safe for you to do that, um, do it. Don't miss out. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. It can be, uh, the teaching can be as powerful six to, you know, eight months or whatever. Um, I also think that the relationship building happens way faster on a retreat. A weekend of being around people constantly will make you so much closer to them. Uh, and yeah, then you can get on, you know, for our group, an hour and a half a week together. Um, I mean, in terms, just in terms of hours, right? <laughs> uh, if you're there for, you know, we're not able to be overnight with our restrictions, but if you're there for a 24 hour day, that's, that's a lot of hour and a half uh segments of a retreat it is. um so you know whatever 18 or whatever it is uh, a little bit less than that but um yeah like you're you're gonna be 16 yeah you're gonna be a lot closer to those people uh yeah. by the end of that retreat <laughs> absolutely it's it's so good yeah just just don't miss out on them they're they're incredible and they're i think they're a really big part of youth ministry and if you are listening your college student oh man Either go on your church's college retreats or get involved uh, yeah, in youth retreats. I think that's a, a great first step if you want to volunteer in youth ministry. Um, that's a great place. I remember when I first volunteered for a youth ministry, this is way back in 2010. That dates me a little bit. Um, but I got to go on our church's winter retreat like three weeks after I started volunteering. And it was just it was good just to connect with the junior high students and um, like you said, build those relationships. So get involved. Significant ministry happens on retreats. Yeah. And I think one of people can get involved as well. Um, you know, we, we love to plug student connection. They're a fantastic parachurch organization, but there's a lot of other great parachurch ministries uh, where retreats happen. Uh, for example, we, you know, the church that I work at and that, that John worked at uh, partners up with CIY and we've done, some uh, some things with them before um yeah and so there, there's definitely organizations you can get involved with even in high school for some of them for summer camps um yeah and you can make a a really big difference in people's lives by even if you're not in a church directly giving churches the space to like make a big impact is awesome yeah it's huge really important ministry and jonah i hope that yours can happen this weekend we'll <laughs> me too <laughs> look forward yep. to hearing how it goes and hopefully nothing more catastrophic yeah. happen. <laughs> no, no freezing rain. Like me, me living a tree, it's just like, what? 
how you know what what could happen? Yeah, it's like that that movie cliche, the equivalent of of retreats and events I lead. <laughs> things catch on fire, pandemic hit the states, um, things freeze over. So <laughs> yeah, so okay, this is this is a fun side note for for our viewers here. So my very first um, retreat at the church you're serving at, actually, Jonah. Um, we went to the Oregon coast over January 2nd and 3rd, I think it was. And we got a total of three students, three high school boys. And keep in mind on the retreat, we actually lost one of the high school boys. He like wandered off and, and did something. We actually lost him for a little bit, um, <laughs> which, is, which is really funny. Um, and then on the way back, we had the freezing rain and we had to have that conversation of, do we go home and that kind of thing. And it was, it was wild. Yeah. It was a, it was interesting getting students home that day. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Cool. Uh, any last thoughts on retreats? Since you're in it, you're in the thick of it. You're the most experienced. <laughs> from I would, I would disagree with the most experienced retreat leader. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I would say that they are, um, yeah, super rewarding, super fun. Um, if you haven't been on one, you know, 10 out of 10 would recommend going, uh, yeah, they, they, they can transform lives. So it, it's a long process to get there, uh, or a short condensed stressful process to get there. Um, <laughs> but when you're there, they're, they're absolutely worth it. Let's quickly transition to what's what's big. What's what's on your mind this week? Maybe just personally. I mean, you got your retreat, but yeah, globally, what's what's going on? Yeah, one that's in my world and kind of John's world as well. We we both go to uh, Multnomah, and you know, in in Portland, um, and we had a professor uh, pass away in Multnomah recently. I didn't know him super super well, but I had a class. Uh, with him last year he taught the second half of the year right he taught he only taught two weeks before COVID hit everything was online and i'm in an online class with him uh now so yeah that's that's been a bit hard again i'm not particularly close with him but having someone you know pass away uh from from COVID is is yeah it, it can, it's on my mind for sure yeah it's it's definitely really challenging it's a challenging um time and it's it's hard it's hard navigating these restrictions that are happening but when you know someone who's personally been affected or somebody's passed away because of covid um yeah it makes it all the more understandable so continue to pray for advocate for people to be well and ultimately vaccine distribution all that kind of stuff um Hopefully that's, you know, coming around the corner that's yeah. kind of be more safely out of this. I think for me and I, you know, I don't both for time's sake and just don't want to dig into it too much. Just the, the heavy thing on this is the, this week is the impeachment trial that's, that's continuing and just new evidence and footage. It's, it's, yeah, it's viewer discretion advice. I'll put it that way. If you're on C-SPAN, which is weird, um, but just, just start time in our country. So um, be continuing to pray for country's leadership on many facets of what they are dealing with, not just nationally, but locally and 
be praying for your church leaders as they're navigating all of that too, because it's, it's very conflicted right now. Hello and welcome to the Church in Context podcast. My name is John. I'm here with the actual real host of the show, Jonah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I really think we should rebrand. I mean, Church in Context is a good name, um, but I think just like the Jonah show has a nice ring to it too. Yeah. The Jonah show, Jonah yeah. and <laughs> companions. That's right. Yeah, Jonah and friends, maybe. Jonah companions and is, friends. That's companions like- is better though. It makes it seem less like we're equals, you know. That's like that's like um, Joni Erickson Tata, right? You ever heard of her and her um, ministry to people with like disabilities and that kind of thing? Um, her ministry is called Joni and Friends. So Whoa! I, I could see that Jonah and Friends. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Or really, we should just be the other Student Connection podcast because that's, that's fair. That's what this is. This is all about. That's like, that's what helped get us get us launched into the internet is student connection so always got to plug them and um well they're they're more focused on missions and today we're talking about something that could apply to mission trips but we're specifically talking about retreats later today and you really are the star of the show today because you are leading the retreat hopefully (laughs) this weekend we'll get into the the hopefully piece in a couple minutes yeah, it's true. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say, what I've learned from planning this retreat is that I should not be the star of the show. You know, I still have a lot to learn. There's a lot of, a lot of curveballs. And I think I think things are gonna turn out all right. But yeah, it's definitely uh, been a cool learning process for me. So I'm excited to share that. 